Are we ready? We're in Daniel, the first chapter. And uh, so as we're getting into this, I don't want us to forget how we started out this year. So let's see what you remember. I is for invest, to invest our time. We want to make an impact. We want to change the world around us. If we want to do something that's going to be significant for the Lord, then we need to do some things. And I've just come up with this little acrostic. So I is for invest. Invest your time, your talent, your treasure, uh, and your money, and whatever else you want to put in there. Just keep investing. And your compassion, I think we added. And uh, let people know that God loves them and cares about them. M is for minister. We need to get involved in ministry. We need to actively be ministering to other people through the church, outside the church, be involved in ministry. P is for pray. When they prayed, the house was shaken. We want to pray in such a way that it literally changes the circumstances and the situations that we're in. That God literally meets with us in that time of prayer. A is for add. Add to your faith. Virtue to virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brother, kindness, charity. Uh, C is for conform. Not only do I add to my faith and learn about these things, but I let God then change me into the image of his son to be conformed to the image of his son. And T is for tell. Tell other people about the love of God. And that's the way we're going to be making this impact. So as we're looking through this year, I don't want us to forget those things. It has really nothing to do with the message. I just don't want us to forget. We have revival coming up soon, 1st of June. And uh, this year is going to be a little different uh, because we had Tom Farrell scheduled to be with us. Tom Farrell's wife uh, got leukemia, and he's pulled himself off the road. And so, um, which is the right thing for him to do. Uh, so his son, Ben Farrell... Uh, who is also re-entering into evangelism, is going to come and take his place. This year, it's only going to last Sunday through Wednesday for us. So there's uh, less opportunity for you to uh, jump in and get people here and involved. So uh, that's coming up the first week of June. So uh, get ready for those things. All right, Daniel chapter 1. You know both of these stories. You're very familiar with the stories. We'll kind of give you snippets of them, uh, have a word of prayer, and then... Uh, give you the message of it. All right, Daniel chapter 1. Let's start at verse 8. You remember this. Now Daniel and his friends have all been taken captive, and now they're being asked to, uh, to in, incorporate themselves into the Babylonian lifestyle. And in verse 8, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So, so this, this uh, story, you know, as it's going, as Daniel is being asked to just kind of become like everybody else. And Daniel understands that his God wants him to be unique, a peculiar people, a called out people. And he's not supposed to be like everybody else. But if he's not careful, what he's going to do is offend this person who is over him. Daniel understands there's an aspect of authority that's being involved here. And so he wants to approach this delicately, but he wants to take a stand and do what is right. And he purposes in his heart. And then you know the story he asks. He makes a request if he could not be forced to eat the same foods because the Jewish people were not supposed to eat those foods. And uh, the guy in charge, he's like, "Uh, the king has made an order and I'm going to get myself in major trouble if we're not careful. And so I better not do that. 
And so then Daniel comes back and says a second time, what if we did it this way? What if we just went for 10 days? And at the end of 10 days, you can see whether or not uh, the way we're eating is working. And, of course, you know the story, and it turns out very well uh, for Daniel. In fact, down in verse 19, it says, And the king communed with them, and among all that was found, uh, all of them was found uh, none, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. It was just a wonderful, wonderful uh, thing that God did. The next, part, uh, the next story that we're looking at is in Daniel 3. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which are also known as Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, they've been given Babylonian names now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, are also being asked to just fit in. They're being asked just to fit in with the society around them. And uh, so the king has you know, decreed that when the music starts, everybody is supposed to, uh, to bow down and worship the king. And they were like, we will, not, we will not bow to any other god but to the god of heaven. And uh, so... Uh, you know, you know the old acrostic. They did not bow. They did not bend. They did not burn. Right? That's the old, not acrostic, but the old uh, outline there. And so, um, so there's that story. And, and they said, "No, we are not going to do what is against our God." And so, rather than bow, they stood. And of course, then they were cast into the fiery furnace. And you know that story. So you're familiar with the stories. I want to uh, pull an application from these stories that uh, I believe becomes. The, one of the most misused words in our congregations across the nation, our independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist churches, but we have this one little word that is often misused. Uh, we, we know how to use it, but what we choose to do is to use it in the wrong way. Let's pray, and then we'll find this out. Father, we just ask that you would help us today to understand your word. Help us to make an application, a simple application from uh, these stories. But help us to see what uh, our response ought to be to you. And Father, we will thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's the simple word. Not hard. The word is, anybody guess? No. 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 I will not defile myself. No. I will not bow. And we're really good or we're really bad at using this word. But it is a poorly used word amongst our churches. Uh, our main, according to the scripture, who are, who are our three main enemies? The world, the flesh, and the devil, right? Now, say this, say this real simple word with me. If the word is no, say it with me. No. It's real simple, Right? So the world comes along and says, you need to act this way, you need to think this, you need to do that. You need to incorporate yourself into our way of living, our point of view. Uh, Call it political correctness, call it whatever you want. Uh, The world comes along and tries and push us a, a direction. And as God's people, we need to learn this word. The word is no, no. I am not going to conform myself to this world. I'm going to let God conform me to his image or to the image of his son. Do you understand? I'm I'm not going to play this game. I'm going to purpose in my heart that I will not be defiled. I am going to purpose in my heart that I am not going to bow down to the world's way of thinking. 
to this point of view, uh, you know, there's all kinds of pressure, a lot of political pressure, a lot of, uh, you know, just different things that are happening in our society. Uh, do, you, do you feel any pressure? Don't you have to answer this out loud. Do you feel any pressure about uh, keeping your views on guns quiet? Do you feel any pressure about keeping your views on homosexuality quiet? Do you feel any pressure coming from anywhere about uh, accepting gay marriage? I mean, we are being pressured. We are being told by the world, you need to think this, you need to act this way, you need to do this. That's the world putting its pressure on us. And God's people have got to learn to say no. Now, why do you think that this preacher says that this is one of the most misused words in our congregations? We use this word a lot, but I'm not sure that we're using it rightly. We've watched as the world's view about creation and the world's view about abortion and the world's view about, keep filling in the blank, is creeping into the congregations of independent fundamental Baptist churches across America. Because someplace along the line, the congregation has forgotten how to say no. No. We will not. We have purposed in our hearts. And listen, I'm not talking about, you know me, I'm not trying to be stubborn and obstinate, all right? I don't own a gun, all right? So this isn't about my view on, I don't own a gun. So this is not about that. It's about my view on the Constitution, perhaps. By the way, that's not a Bible issue, so if the government takes that right away from me, I'm supposed to obey the government, but I sure, as long as we've got that right, I don't want to lose it. I don't want to lose it. Uh, but, you know, there's certain things that the Bible does dictate, and I'm not allowed to rewrite God's word because the government or because society or because my family or because whatever it might be is putting in outside pressure. I must learn to say no. These men understood how to say no. The flesh. The flesh. Do you think we live in a society that does not know how to say no, some of you still can't quit texting for a half an hour and let God's word speak to you. Say no! But you don't understand, Pastor, it's important. And God's word isn't? Say no! You know, we don't know how to say no. I'm a, have you ever seen a society that's addicted to everything? We're addicted. To every, everything's an addiction. The most recent addiction added out there that I, that I remember hearing about was about three or four weeks ago. And that is gaming is now an addiction. I'm not talking about gaming like hunting game. I'm talking about gaming like playing video games is now officially an addiction. We're addicted to everything. Why? Because our flesh creeps in and we don't know how to say no. We, we've lost the ability to simply say no. Can you imagine what it would look like to be a Daniel in this society? Or a Shadrach, a Meshach, and Abednego in this society? Wow. No. Say no. You know, we're a society that eats too much, sleeps too much. You know why? Because we don't know how to say no. We've forgotten. Our flesh has taken over. And we, we let our flesh control. And our flesh is dictating everything that we're doing. And we've forgotten how to say no. What's the problem here? 
And we have the third one, the devil, right? Now, you know, listen, the devil can't make us do anything, right? But he, as a roaring lion, does go about and finds our weakness. And he uses the weaknesses to create problems for us. We are drawn away of our own lust and enticed. The devil can't make me sin. I make me sin. We're drawn away of our own lust and enticed. But when the devil comes up and whispers those things in our ears, you know what we should say? Wow. All three of it. What, what should we say? No. A resound, we don't know how to do this. We don't understand how to do this. And I would say, you know, listen, that doesn't mean that this word is misused. That just means that we're not using it there. No, I'm going to show you how it's misused. Here's how it's misused. Listen to what the Bible says. Narrow is the gate, and straight is the way that leadeth unto life. And few there be that enter therein. See, God stands up and says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. Jesus says, Come, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And we live in a society that says, No. A society that says yes to the world, and yes to the flesh, and yes to the devil. And the God who loves them so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for their sin makes an invitation. And they say, no. God stands up in the church and he says, I sought for a man to stand in the hedge and to fill up the gap. What does it say? But I found You know why? Because the church is full of people who when God says, will you serve me? We say, no. Our Savior stands before us and says, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And we don't have a lot of fishers of men in our congregation. Why not? Because our congregations are filled with people who are misusing this simple little word. We're saying yes to all the wrong things. And when our Savior stands before us, we say no. If somebody comes and looks us eyeball to eyeball and says, would you do this? We usually say yes because we're pressured. But let somebody stand up and say, we're looking for some volunteers and we sit on our hands. We're good at saying no. It's not that we don't understand the word. We're just using it at the wrong time. We don't know how to use it in the right way. I see these four men, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, who understood this concept. We must say no to the things of the world. And we must say yes to the things of God. And I'm burdened, not by Southeast Baptist. I'll grant you, this church is very unique. And we have, we get volunteers. We do. In fact, uh, just yesterday I was talking to my son, J.D., and he's like, Dad, my problem is I don't need as many people as going to sign up to help out with Vacation Bible School. 
we'll, we have about 50 people that will probably sign up. That's what happened last year, and I really only need about 30. And I don't know what to do with the other 20. And, uh, you know, that's a great problem to have, isn't it? That's wonderful. Praise the Lord. But I tell you, our churches across America are full of people who really know how to say no to the wrong things. And yes to the wrong things. You understand what I'm saying? No to the wrong things, to the God of their, of their salvation saying, you know, do this, serve me, grow, change into the image of my son. And we're resisting him. And we're pushing back. And we're saying no. I mean, some of you, listen up, I, I'm not trying to be mean about this. I'm not. I, I love you. You know I love you. I I have nothing to gain from any of this, so just me talking, all right? But some of you need to just jump on board and join the church. And you've been coming for a year, two years, three years, and you just keep saying no. And it's time to say yes and join the church. And then once you join the church, get involved. Some of you are, are really good about letting other people do the work, and that's great. But there's enough work to be done for all of it. If nothing else, then there is a Thursday night and a Saturday morning visitation time that we could fill up with people who are willing to be fishers of men. Say yes. Stop saying no to the, to the wrong things and yes to the wrong things. And this is our challenge. I'm, I'm, it sounds like I'm preaching at you, but for every one finger that's pointing at you, you know, there's three pointing right back at this preacher. I'm not putting myself up like I'm the great example. Jesus is the great example. We're all struggling with our own flesh and the world and the devil to become like him. So I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to us as Christians. Let us understand what it means to say no. How about this one that we say no to? The Savior steps up and says, I want you to put off the old man. And to put on the new man. I want you to flee youthful lusts. And some of us have had sins in our lives for so long they become like pets. You know, we literally kind of just draw them up to our side. And, oh, they make us feel so comfortable. It's sin. It's wickedness. It needs to be set aside. But we've forgotten how to say no to our flesh and no to the world. And we've gotten really good about saying no to God. Why is it that Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, we have 20, 30, 40 hands raised every Sunday. Pray for me, Pastor. God's dealing with this. God's dealing with this. God's dealing with this. God's dealing with this. And what we're not seeing is the fruit of that change. Because we're really good about saying no to the wrong things. It's time that we learn some lessons from these people. Anybody know who I'm talking about when I mention Lash LaRue? Anybody ever heard of Lash LaRue? About five of you. How about Roy Rogers? Yeah, there you go, all right. How about uh, Tex Ritter? Oh, yeah, there you go. How about uh, Gene Autry? Oh, yeah, okay. You've heard of all of them? Well, Number three on the charts was Lash LaRue. Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, Lash LaRue. 
cowboy star. That's what he was. He's a cowboy star. Now, there was a unique thing about, by the way, almost all of those guys, well, at least uh, Roy Rogers and Lash LaRue, were unique in Hollywood because they had strong Christian testimonies of knowing Christ as their Savior. So, in a sneaky little roundabout way, when Lash LaRue was getting a little older, and because us Christians sometimes tend to be naive and we don't always think that people would actually try to hurt us, his agent sold him on an idea to star in a certain cowboy movie. This was now almost in the 19, end of the 1950s, nearing the 60s, when the cowboys were kind of at their height on television, kind of losing out at the movie box office, all right? So uh, that's kind of what was happening. And his agent sold him to star in the movie. He gets on the set of this movie, and he plays his part, not star, but to play, take a role. He was past his stardom to take a role in this movie. He takes it, does his part, and they're ready to release the movie. And he finds out that by his definition, actually by almost anyone's definition, this is a pornographic film. He doesn't know it. His part is just kind of like cameo, you know, steps in. They're going to use him to sell the movie. And he kills his Hollywood career in a decision he makes. No. You will not use me, my name. That is not going to happen. Hollywood cuts him off. He's done. See what he did? He said, I don't need Hollywood. He became an evangelist for 10 years. Spent the next 10 years talking about Jesus to other people. Wow, isn't that great? Why? Because some, it's hard to believe that somebody in Hollywood actually knew how to say no, isn't it? That's incredible. If, if somebody in that society can get it, what's our problem? What's our problem? You don't hear those stories much anymore. They're out there, but you don't hear them much anymore. We need to raise up a generation of teenagers who know how to say no to the things of the world and the things of the flesh and the things of the devil and know how to say yes to the things of God. That's the wonderful thing about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You do know they were teenagers, right? They were teenagers. Stolen away from their homes. Taken into captivity physically mutilated to become eunuchs who still chose to trust God and say no. 